Welcome to Agriculture in North Carolina. I'm Dan Miller. Today we'll get up with Jeff Turner and talk viruses, one that I've been reading about in the hog industry, and we'll connect with Heduck Oh. Heduck is a Ph.D. candidate at NC State who grew up in South Korea. His research is in improving shelf life of fruit, specifically berries that make North Carolina the seventh largest producer in the United States, the blueberry. I'm interested, too, in the farming picture in South Korea. Today seems like a good day to find out. Agriculture in North Carolina is sponsored by Ag Carolina Farm Credit, First Choice Insurance Partners, Syngenta Global, and the North Carolina Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services. Got to be NC. Let me welcome my co-host, Jeff Turner, COO of Murphy Family Ventures and decades-long member of the North Carolina Board of Agriculture. Greetings, Mr. Turner. Dan, how are you, man? I am well, albeit a little waterlogged from this past weekend, but it looks like we're going to dry out this week. I've been reading a bit about this this swine virus, I guess it is, that is moving its way actually east. Now there are certain states like Indiana, Ohio, Tennessee, Pennsylvania that all show infections. They're really concerned about it moving into North Carolina, but I'm not exactly sure what PRRSV is or the variant 1LC. Well, I can tell you this is pretty devastating to the hog industry and has been for many, many years. PERS, P-R-R-S, PERS is what we refer to it as in the hog industry, is actually an acronym for porcine reproductive and respiratory syndrome. And uh, obviously it's a virus, and it's like anything else, there's a variant you know, the only way for a virus to survive is is that it has to change. And it's one of those things that occur in nature that it's over my head. It's way above my understanding. But, you know, we've been plagued with it for years. Early on, it was called the mystery disease. This was right after I uh, was involved with the first sow farm uh, there in Pink Hill. And, and I, that everybody kept saying, you've got to be careful. We don't want the mystery disease. Because no one really knew what it was at the time. And, and so since that time, it's, it's got the name and it's prevalent throughout the pig industry and it impairs or, you know, it, it both the sows, uh, as well as, uh, the, the, the offspring, the young pigs. You have abortions and all sorts of things that occur with, with the mamas. As the pigs come along, they, they all experience problems. They don't grow as well and, and, uh, are not really healthy it is a very very expensive disease one that's been around for 30 plus years one that we have to take a different approach we use a modified live virus today with the sows hoping to ward it off obviously if you got a new strain coming along we're going to have to figure that out but you know at some point in time the industry somehow has to tackle this devastating and, and costly disease Years ago, you'd see some uh, some of the trucks moving livestock around. You say, "Boy, I wish they'd wash those things every now and then." Boy, not anymore. Biosecurity—they're like washed every time. In our operations in Missouri, the live haul, not only are they are they washed, but they go into a oven. They pull the entire vehicle or the tr- entire trailer into an area, close it off, and heat it up to like 170 plus degrees. Uh, again, to try to make sure that uh, that you've sanitized as best you can when you go from farm to farm, you certainly don't want to bring uh, bring disease in and out. So 
a lot of innovation. We're going to have to do, we got to find a different way though on, uh, treating furs and hopefully, you know, some sort of a vaccine that might be more beneficial to us. Coming up just a moment, we'll chat with Hidok Hao about blueberries and South Korea. Bill Carone Cars in Wallace is now the only GMC Chevy dealer in Eastern Carolina to become a Ag Pack dealer, which means that any farmer buys a vehicle at Bill Carone is eligible for more than $30,000 in savings on products you're likely to already use. Everything from tires to crop products. Check out the advantages of the Ag Pack program at Bill Carone Cars in Wallace. And we'll be back in just a moment. This is Agriculture in North Carolina. I'm Dan Miller. We're joined by Heduck O. Heduck is a Ph.D. candidate at NC State who grew up in South Korea. And that's probably a good place to start. Can you give us kind of an overview of your background? So I'm from South Korea, from a city called Daegu. I got my bachelor's and master's degree at Seoul National University, majoring in horticultural science. After I did my master's, I did my mandatory military service in the Korean Air Force three years. And after that, I came to the U.S. for my Ph.D. I'm doing my Ph.D. in horticultural science here as well. I'm at NC State University. I'm in a lab at Plants for Human Health Institute in Kannapolis, which is 30 minutes out from Charlotte. The Institute is on a research campus here called the North Carolina Research Campus. And this is my third year now since I started my PhD. And how did you get interested in farming in Korea? Well, I've always loved science since I was a kid. I love biology. My mom loves gardening. There's always been plants around the house. And to me, plants were more interesting than animals. Um, my sister is kind of the opposite. She's always had a huge love towards animals, and now she's a vet in Korea. Head, I chose plants. Well, it's, and, the cleanup's a lot easier. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love animals, too. I have a cat. Anyway, it was kind of a natural flow to go to college, and I got into the College of Agriculture and Life Sciences at Seoul National U- University in Korea. We get the biology part, we get the the plant sciences, horticultural part, but the further you go toward in your education, the narrow and narrower the funnel begins to get until you until you focus in on one particular area. Your area berry crops, correct? Correct. Did my master's on blueberries. My research was on figuring out which hormone inside the blueberry plant determines you know, when the ripening starts and facilitates the ripening of fruit and blueberry. Your research now is less about the hormone that begins the ripening phase of the blueberry and more about the opposite side, which is how to hold the ripeness of the blueberry. Yeah, that's true. Right now, my research is mostly focused on how to improve the shelf life of blueberries. So it's a part of a nationwide collaborative research project called VACAP. VACAP is short for Vaccinium Coordinated Agriculture Project. So this project aims to improve fruit quality in two of the big vaccinium fruit, blueberry and cranberry. And I'm focused on blueberry, mostly on the post-harvest part, so the shelf life. How do you do that? I mean, is it through propagating varietals that hold better or 
what paths do you follow to achieve that end result? We know that we want, at the end, a blueberry that's still firm and full of flavor. Blueberries are soft fruits. They don't have a protective rind, so they can soften very quickly after harvest. So when you go to the store, you buy a pint of blueberries, and you sometimes find them to be all soft and mushy. They can easily become that way during transport or storage. So I'm trying to find a way to prevent that by understanding fruit characteristics that we can evaluate at the time of harvest and are related to shelf life aspects like texture. And also by understanding the underlying genetics of all that, we can that can lead to the development of genetic markers or molecular markers, which will also accelerate the breeding efforts that will improve their storability and prolong their market life. So we're kind of in the early stage of, okay, let's try to understand what is related to the shelf life of blueberries. What can we use to understand the shelf life of a certain blueberry cultivar before we have to go through the whole storage or transport process and we can maybe use that for prediction we can use that for breeding using genetics or molecular markers in the years that you spent observing the blueberry plant is there something that uh, would kind of amaze us uh, the blueberry farmers that you found actually something something almost simple that actually helps the uh, that helps either ripen the fruit or sustain the fruit? So far, from the data that I've had, it seems like bigger berries seem to do better in terms of water loss. They lose less weight or water during shelf life. We have found some texture components or texture attributes that are related to texture change during storage. So if we can find a way to use those that information to predict the change of texture during shelf life, then we may be able to accelerate the process. It's almost berry season in North Carolina. Have you had a chance even in Center State to take a look at this year's crop? Yeah, um, the season has already started for a lot of the fields. main field that I've been collecting blueberries from are in Castle Hay which is right outside of Wilmington. A lot of the cultivars have already started to ripen, and we've been collecting samples from that field. Take us back, if you will. Give us a little thumbnail about how farming works in Korea. Are the farm sizes, uh, in America, the farm sizes are getting bigger and bigger, and there is less likely a family farmer than there was years ago as businesses begin to get into, well, have been in the farming business. Are the farms in South Korea large-scale farms or smaller operations? In Korea, most of the farms are very small-scale. Compared to the U.S., they are very, very small. There are some big farms, but it is a little bit of a challenge to have so many small farms. The average age of the farmers is getting higher and higher. Much like as it is in America. 
Oh, it is? Yeah, the age of farmers is uh, far older than it was just 10 and 20 years ago. And, it, and my assumption is in uh-huh. Korea, as it is here, not quite as fashionable for younger people to get into day-to-day farming. Recently, during the past one or two decades, there has been some encouragement for young people to go back to rural areas and start farming. There has been a lot of support from the government, financial support from the government, and other technical support to encourage young people to go back. And it has been, uh, I don't know if this is the right term, but it has been a fad um, for the younger generations. Farmers in Korea, a lot of dairy operations, poultry operations. What what are we likely to see? A lot of the farms are growing rice. It's by far the largest commodity um, being grown in Korea. Other than that, there is a diversity in fruit and vegetables, too. For fruit, apples are the most widely produced fruit. Following that, there's peach, there's mandarin, there's grapes, pears. And vegetable-wise, there are a lot of chili pepper farms, tomatoes, and cabbages. I mean, kimchi is made out of cabbage, so there's a lot of cabbage and radish farms, too. Is North Carolina, South Carolina, are we in the same latitudinal uh, parallel as we are in Korea? So, in other words, what you're seeing here with blueberries is very similar to the weather patterns you might see in South Korea? It is similar. The climate is similar, but we do get a colder winter. Well, that's actually very fortunate dealing with pests, right? For some of them, yes. (laughs) In America... Recently, in the past maybe 10 years, we've seen more emphasis or more expansion in agritourism, right? Getting folks from the city, from the urban areas to go to the farm and actually purchase directly from the farmer or farmer's markets where people can go and actually buy directly from the farmer. The, how do the vegetables, how, how do fruits make that trip to the consumer? For instance, do you have roadside stands that like we have here in the States? Yeah, we do. We do have a lot of that you could see that in on the side of highways you can see that on the side of roads and the cities you see a lot of that yeah often farmers wives here in the US have like prepared fruits that they put up can uh can peaches or jams or that sort of thing that done uh in South Korea is that not an area of um, that you often see I don't think I see a lot of canned fruits or jam particularly but there are a lot of other food, like we have a wide variety of side dishes made out of vegetables. We call them panchan. They go on pretty much every meal that we have in Korea. And I see a lot of family businesses that make their own side dishes out of various vegetables they have, and they can promote that and sell that. Is there any other dish that's fermented like kimchi? Yeah, we have a ton of fermented side dishes. They're mostly made out of vegetables, or they could be made out of seafood as well. We're big on seafood, so we see a lot of fermented dishes out of squid or fish eggs or things like that. Is it as mechanized as it is here? And uh, do farmers belong to like a co-op of machinery or a co-op to market their stuff? 
Yeah, there, you can see that um, having farmers, families, or operations, they cooperate with each other, they share machineries, they share resources for their farming. You know, since we don't have large-scale farms like here, we not that common to see heavy machines for mechanical harvest or pest control or things like that. As far as I know, a lot of it is done by hand, manually. Hey, Duck Go, thank you so much for joining us and uh, giving us uh, a little bit of a glimpse into farming in Korea and, more importantly, helping out the North Carolina blueberry crop. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a lot of fun talking with you, Dan. Coming up, we'll go over last week's commodity prices on agriculture in North Carolina. Find us online at agandnc.com. Taking a look at commodities prices, June cattle futures advanced to 165.725 at Friday's close. That represented a weekly gain of 132.5. August feeder futures climbed to 235.10, which marked a weekly surge of $6.12.5. Despite the historical tendency for cash cattle and beef prices to decline after grocers have completely stocked up for Memorial Day, those markets proved to be quite firm last week. June lean hogs fell to 83.025 and nearer the session low. For the week, June hogs lost $1.75. North Carolina egg prices were higher on all sizes week to week. North Carolina weighted average price quoted Thursday, May 18th for small lot sales of delivered carton grade A eggs was $118.94 for extra large, $106.05 for large, $93.89 for medium, and $77 for small eggs. Number two yellow shelled corn was four to twenty-seven cents lower when compared to the prior week. Prices ranged mostly five ninety to six eighty-three at the feed mills, six forty, six seventy-seven at the elevators through Thursday, May the eighteenth. Number one yellow soybeans were forty-six to seventy cents lower, ranged fourteen thirteen to fourteen eighty at the processors, mostly fifteen fifty-seven to fourteen ten at the elevators. Number two red winter wheat was ten to seventy cents lower, ranged five thirty-six to six eleven at the elevators. Soybean meal FOB at processing plants ranged four sixty-four ten to four eighty-two ninety per ton for forty-six and a half to forty-eight percent protein. New crop prices quoted for harvest delivery corn was five nineteen to six oh eight. Soybeans ranged eleven fifty-seven to twelve twenty-nine, and wheat ranged five fifty-six to six seventy-eight. And that's this week's Agriculture in North Carolina. If you miss a show, play the podcast on your schedule. You can grab it on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And you'll find our sponsor links at agnnc.com, Ag Carolina Farm Credit. First Choice Insurance Partners, Syngenta Global and the North Carolina Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services, got to BNC. Agriculture in North Carolina, copyright 2023, Interbanks Media. Support the show, call Hank Hinton at 252-355-1037. For Jeff Turner and myself, Dan Miller, have a great week.